Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hello, welcome to IWF's Working for Women podcast. I'm Carrie Lucas, the president of IWF, and I'm thrilled to be here today with Jillian Melkier, an IWF senior fellow. Jillian, thanks so much for, for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Great. Well, you know, we're here to talk today about, um, an, about the waters of the USA Act. And I hope, you know, we've talked a little bit about um, this matter before and about some of the other um, EPA regulations uh, that are affecting Americans and that were really advanced under the uh, Obama administration. Um, can you first give us a little bit of background of, of what, what the story is or what some of the background is on this issue? Yeah, sure. So th- this actually dates back to 1972, the Clean Water Act. Um, but under the Obama administration, um, the EPA decided that it was going to clarify what waters it had control over. So in 2014, it promulgated this rule. 2015 finalized it, um, WOTUS for short. Um, and basically what the EPA said is all of a sudden, wow, we didn't realize this before, but we've actually got control over millions of acres of private land. Um, final say on any body of water, we deem a significant nexus to navigable waters. So this is a really scary thing for a lot of farmers or ranchers or small-time property owners, because all of a sudden, um, if, if they did anything to the water on their land, the federal government could come in um, and, and penalize them for it. So was this something that Congress decided, or how was this um, you know, was this de- debated or how was the decision made that they could take such a like, sweeping control of, of this? Well, this was quite controversial, actually. Um, so it, sh- it probably should have gone through Congress. Um, but as so many of the Obama administration's environmental policies, this was passed by executive order. So we're not talking about having lawmakers involved. This is top down executive branch. Um, and that was something that was really controversial at the time. Um, 31 states ended up suing over this, and one of their complaints was that this is unconstitutional. This is a huge exercise of federal authority, and it, it basically constitutes a power grab. Yeah, well, that's you know that's interesting. Sometimes I feel like um, you know I'm um, as kind of Washingtonian or people are, in, are, are focused inside the Beltway. Um, you know, uh, we always are interested in kind of the conversations about how the process gets made, and I think sometimes um, what gets lost is how this affects you know, people on the, on the ground. This isn't just interest groups and a bunch of people suing each other. And you've done some great reporting on um, the kind of bring to life the real costs and casualties of this uh, environmental um, uh, um, you know, overreach. Can you give us a little, can you tell our listeners um, about uh, you know, somebody that you're aware of, of, of who's been kind of personally affected by this law? Yeah, this is the Hallmark case. And it's actually from my home state of Wyoming. Um, There was a guy named Andy Johnson, and he and his wife had this tiny little creek on their property. It was about, you know, two feet deep, about half a foot wide. They had a couple cattle. They have four girls. They decided that they were going to create a little pond on their land so that their livestock could drink off of it. Their daughters could fish. They wanted to fill it with fish and get geese on it. Just have this really nice little, little body of water on their land. So they worked really closely with the Wyoming state government got all these permits, dammed the creek, and created this little pond on their property. Well, it happened just at the time that the Environmental Protection Agency was expanding this regulatory power. And this is a really scary thing 
the EPA actually came in, said that Andy Johnson needed permission from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Um, we're talking about permits that cost, I think it's about $270,000 on average. It can take a couple of years to get. Um, and because he didn't do this, you know, it, it happened right at the beginning, but because he hadn't do, done this, they decided that they were going to fine the Johnson family $37,500 every single day until they wow. restored the creeks to Washington's satisfaction. So we're, we're talking about millions of dollars of cost for this small-time farmer. He ended up suing over it, um, settled the case. But this kind of sent a shock through the farming community, the ranching community, because they realized that if, if this tiny little creek dammed into a pond could, could trigger that massive of fines, that a lot of them could be in real trouble. Yeah, you know, that's, that's just such, a, such an amazing story, especially when, um, it's, when you're talking about somebody who sounds like they followed all the rules. I know that if, um, you know, if I was trying to, to do something small on my property, I would be talking to my local guys, so, you know, put people from my local town, and, and then they would assume that they would inform me if I needed to do something, um, take it on a bigger scale, whether to the state or to, um, you know, to the federal government, for heaven's sakes. You know, that's really, you know, I, I think that this is, it's really important for people to understand uh, you know, what, this, what this means for regular people, because, um, uh, you know, especially this guy was obviously just trying to follow, follow the rules and really got, uh, got um, um, you know, had such a, even, even if it ended up where he wasn't um, levied with these fines, I can only imagine the, the stress that it caused him as well as, um, you know, suing is, is no small matter either. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was years of legal battle and you're, you're talking about a small time farmer. He's already spent his savings damming this Creek. Um, and he's having to take on the federal government. It's a David versus Goliath fight. Unfortunately, he was able to work it out. But I think what yeah, this so case now, also so shows is how broad yeah. the definition of a significant nexus to navigable waters is. So this, this tiny little creek, um, the way that the EPA justified it is that it traces back to the Black Forks River, which if you really, really, really follow it back, traces back to the Green River, which if you really, really follow that back, traces back to the Colorado River. Um, so that was how they justified being able to, to regulate a two-foot creek. Wow. You know, um, so, what is, so what is now with the um, – obviously one of the things that, that uh, the president – ran on was um, rolling back regulations and kind of undoing some of the power grab that happened under President Obama. Um, what's the state of that? Can our, is there any more regulatory certainty moving forward? There is. So um, back in February, Trump uh, asked the EPA to reconsider this rule. Um, in charge of the EPA right now is Scott Pruitt. He's the former Oklahoma Attorney General. And in an interesting twist, he was one of the guys who filed suit against the federal government claiming that WOTUS was unconstitutional. So now he's in charge of the EPA. Um, he announced uh, just in, in July that the agency would propose a new rule, rescind WOTUS. And this is something that you're seeing a, a ton of alarmism on um, among progressives. They're, they're portraying this as a threat to clean water. But I think Scott Pruitt is absolutely right. Um, if you've looked at his vision for the Environmental Protection Agency, two things really stick out. Um, the first is that we can have both economic growth and environmental health and responsibility at the same time. It's not one or the other. And the second is that um, 
state governments are often better equipped to handle decision-making about environmental policy. And I think this really epitomizes it because he understands that, you know, landowners, ranchers, farmers have more interest than anybody else in keeping the water supply on their property clean. They're the ones who are going to be directly impacted. And if something goes wrong, the state governments are going to be the ones dealing with all of the repercussions. Uh, if, if this water gets contaminated and spreads, the state government has a real vested interest in preventing that. So what this is doing is it's restoring power to a state and local level. Um, and I guess kind of saving these farmers and ranchers and small-time property owners from millions of dollars of unnecessary risk. Well, that's, you know, that's such a, it's such a wonderful thing to hear. You, it's, it's, it is you not only in terms of um, the um, kind of this economics and, and thinking about people like, um, like the, these farmers who are so impacted on a personal level, kind of sparing them some of this, um, you know, stress and major expense and, and, you know, headaches. But it is really important that we start thinking through again what it is the federal government's supposed to be doing versus what it's, it's doing today. Because I sure am hopeful that if we let the federal government focus its energies on what it's supposed to be doing and let the, the states and localities do their jobs, that everybody would be better off. The federal government ought to be doing a few things well, not trying to do everything poorly, which I, I worry is, the, is really the direction we've been headed in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think if we're talking about overreaching federal agencies, one of the ironies is that with this regulation with WOTUS, the EPA wanted to hold farmers to this really, really expansive interpretation of the law to micromanage things. But they ended up campaigning for the law, doing a social media campaign that ended up violating federal prohibitions on taxpayer-funded lobbying. So even the EPA couldn't live up to federal standards in the long term. And I think that's a pretty good indication that government's gotten too big. Exactly. I wonder if anybody there was getting fined, you know, $30,000 a day or whatever. Somehow I bet not. Um, but Jillian, well, thank you so much. This is such an important conversation and we so appreciate, um, you know, your analysis and the, the important research that you do on these topics. This has been another IWF Working for Women podcast. For more information, please come see us at IWF.org, where all issues are women's issues. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or stop by IWF.org for similar content.